Hello. If you are into conversations that are habitually disruptive, welcome to Confessions of a Crappy Christian, the speakeasy edition. When I tell you that I am 34 years old and I think I have hated my body since I was 20, that is not an exaggeration. I know I started hating my body before I got married. Probably was like a size 10, maybe a size 8 on a good day. Not that we necessarily adhere to the construct of pant sizes because you can pick up a size 8 from Old Navy and a size 8 from American Eagle, and there could be two different sizes. I'm just giving this for general, you know, mental picture here. So have two babies, have a slew of mental health issues, a slew of actual, you know, like physical health issues. And the cherry on top of all of that is that I am completely stuck in this loop of diet culture and diet cycles and hating my body and desperately wanting it to change and thinking that once it does, then I will feel beautiful, I will feel worthy, I will feel like when I walk into a room that I deserve to be there, that I am worthy of being there, that people will take me seriously because my body is smaller. These are all legitimate thoughts that I have had about my body for, we're going to give a loose estimate of the last 14 years. How much I hated my body tainted every single moment. My wedding, my children being born, every good thing that has happened in my career, I was, yes, very excited and capable of celebrating it, but also simultaneously trying to make sure that I could hide my body as needed in order to feel safe and also to feel like I could fool people into thinking I was beautiful. And I know this all sounds so insane and it feels even crazier to be admitting to the internet, but I mean, the, one of the perks of my job has been that I can record myself from pretty much the chest up and you don't have to know, like people are so shocked when they find out that I'm 5'2 because I think I present <laughs> taller, but also you, we've never met in person. And the reality is so much of what influencers record is chest up and it makes depth perception very difficult. So anyway, that's just some backstory to kind of where I've been in terms of my body. I've done pretty much every diet that exists. I don't even want to think about how much money I have spent in the last 14 years trying to make my body smaller. The only thing that I don't even remotely regret is the breast reduction that I had in 2019 because those things were ridiculous. Like, have you ever seen the Venus of a Willendorf figurine? It's from like 25,000 BC. That's what my boobs looked like. It was completely out of control. So anyway, I have been an incredible repeat customer for the diet and weight loss industry. Like I said, I have paid for diets. I have paid for coaches. I have paid for workouts. I have paid for apps. I have paid for books. I have paid for supplements. I, if it exists, I have done it. And I am not saying that those things are bad or wrong or negative. I don't think those things are necessarily inherently bad. I think some of the culture that surrounds them can be a little bit predatory and we'll get into that. But I wanted to share what the light switch was for me because it was recent. It was really, truly probably in the last six months 
that my view of myself and of general body image and what health really is has pretty significantly shifted. I've shared pretty openly on Instagram about kind of quote unquote breaking up with crunchy culture or crunchiness or just that whole world of Berkey water filters and essential oils instead of medicine and eating really weird foods and being like a touch obsessive with what's going in your body. And I realize again that that sounds like I'm casting it in a really negative light. I like to say that I just had a negative experience with that lifestyle because the bar was ever moving. You never arrived at crunchiness, right? And you were following all of these influencers who, because Instagram is a highlight reel and we only show people what we want them to see, which everyone on the internet is guilty of, you only saw squeaky clean, crunchy lives. You only saw the cleanest ingredients, the homemade food, the essential oils and never Tylenol. And then it snowballs from there, right? And now the position of your mouth is wrong and you need to do a detox, even though your body has a built-in detox system and you need to do enemas and you need this and you need that. And it just got to the point for me personally where it was too much. I was so stressed out financially, mentally, physically, that that was no longer good for my health either. So my journey from hating my body and being in a pretty high stress lifestyle started by honestly kind of publicly announcing, hey, I can't do this anymore. Because not only was it the content that I was consuming, but because it was the lifestyle that I was living, I felt this responsibility to vet every single thing that I was sharing to make sure that it was up to par, that it met the standard of cleanliness, of crunchiness, of naturalness, that it was okay to tell everybody. But also, I didn't want people to know that I was partaking in anything that wasn't completely clean because I didn't want to get the DMs and I didn't want the judgment and I didn't want them to think that I didn't care. And so that was 100% for me. And I'll link in the show description the post that I put up that kind of was, "Hey, I can't do this anymore and here's why." But that was that was in August of 2022, and I really laid it all down. The only two things that I kept that I loved were adrenal cocktails because I knew that supported my already shot adrenals. If you're unfamiliar, adrenal cocktails are a source of potassium and sodium to help keep your cortisol levels balanced out. You can just Google it. There's tons of recipes online. But I kept adrenal cocktails and grounding, which is putting your feet in the grass and for me, facing the sun first thing in the morning before I touch any technology, like do anything, just kind of centering myself because I have such an overactive brain. And I don't want it to sound like I was eating McDonald's every day and like wasn't taking care of myself because I definitely was. I just let it go. I stopped stressing so much about everything being perfect and just let it be what it was and come to find out that was exactly what I needed to find what works for me, for my body. And I think that's the biggest problem with weight loss and diet culture is that people will make promises that something will do for you what it did for them and we can't make those promises. We have completely different lives. We have completely different walks. 
We've had completely different experiences. Our bodies are different. They're balanced and made up completely differently. So the better option is to teach people about their own bodies. And there are definitely people out there doing this. I'm not trying to make it sound like nobody's doing this, but because they definitely are. But I, I guess I more leaned into that. I want to figure out what's right for my body so that I will be inspired and encouraged to stick with it. Because here's the thing about trying to quote unquote stick with something. If you hate it, there's a low likelihood that you're going to find success. There are some people out there that can. I don't understand it. But if you're miserable, if you're giving up every food that you have ever liked and forcing yourself through workouts that you don't want to do every single day, that is either not going to be sustainable or you're going to burn out. So I had to just lay it all down. And like I see it as I just dumped everything out on the floor and I started picking stuff up and going, Yes or no? Like, does this stay or does this go? All of the supplements that I was on, I pared it down to about two. And I feel fine. I feel great, actually. It's not as expensive and I don't want to have to deal with it. In part because I started prioritizing just eating whole foods and therefore am able to get a lot of those supplements from whole foods. But that's neither here nor there. A big one was when I started I actually read Wheat Belly by William Davis and it kind of blew my mind in the mental health world there's a study early in the book about how gluten impacted schizophrenia patients and they did this study where they removed gluten from their diet and a lot of their negative schizophrenic symptoms abated and then when they reintroduced gluten they came back and that really fascinated me and kind of set me down this path of research and so I quit eating gluten, pretty cold turkey, and it was terrible, and the detox was terrible, and the withdrawals were terrible, but I lost so much inflammation so fast, and I'm still doing it and feel amazing, but I had to get there on my terms, and once I let myself off the hook of jumping through the hoops that other people on the internet were saying that I needed to jump through, then I had the desire and the clarity and the ability to jump through the hoops, sticking with that analogy, that were best for me. And this may sound completely like, yeah, Blake, that's what we're all supposed to do. You're supposed to just take this information and do with it as you please. I love that you view the internet through that lens. I'm still working on it. I am still working on picking and choosing and like eating the meat and spitting out the bones. Wanted to take a second and make sure you knew that my flagship course for content creation and social media growth and management is going to open for registration on March 28th. This is a six-part course that is not just for content creators. It is for anyone who wants to leverage the power of social media and free marketing for their business, their ministry, their personal voice, and it goes through everything you could possibly need to know about showing up well on social media, being true to yourself, keeping God as the focal point, and being successful, monetizing, and growing. You can find out more about Run Your Race by going to thegirlnamedblake.com slash course. Join the waitlist. Don't miss it. It's going to be awesome. So once I kind of got to a more level place with my body and with what I was putting into my body and what I was doing with my body, 
it's kind of crazy, but I simultaneously got really into Ancestry.com. <laughs> this sounds like a 180, just I need you to stick with me, okay? Got super ADHD, hyper-focused on going back through all four. I went through like my dad's mom and dad and my mom's mom and dad's families all the way back until they immigrated to North America. And it took hours. I would just stay up late at night. It was just, it was fun. It was great. And now I have that forever kind of linking family trees and finding out things about people. And so as I'm going back, the two main places that my family came from were Germany and Ireland. There's also a pretty heavy amount of Swiss. I'm very white. Let's just say that. So tracing these things back, my family primarily came from, and I'm going to butcher this, Baden-Württemberg, Germany, and Dublin and Cork, Ireland. So then you start Googling these places and what life was like during the time that my ancestors would have lived there. And I start noticing a reoccurring theme that a lot of these women seem to be like plowing fields, working on farms. They're washer women. That is the vibe. And I'm looking at these women and I essentially see myself reflected back in them. Childbirthing hips, strong arms, strong legs, not a small waist, but I mean, beautiful in my personal opinion. And that really sparked something in me. And so at that point, I'm looking at like early 1800s women. And so I just kind of start making this trajectory for myself. And it's a pretty standard vibe until the late 1800s. So you've got prehistoric to late 1800s, early 1900s, full figure is is what's up. Like I said, childbirthing hips, fleshy arms, fleshy legs, round stomach, like that was the standard of beauty. And yes, some of these women were wearing corsets and all of that kind of stuff. But when you look at art, look at art, Renaissance, for example, these women have roles and they have little belly pooches and they look gorgeous and healthy and well-fed. And as I have jokingly said multiple times now, they look like they could survive a winter if you know what I mean. So the whole skinny thing doesn't start until the 1920s. We get the 1920s, we get the roaring 20s, and that body type really becomes normalized. And then, you know, by the 60s, you have the twiggy, super skinny, you know, 80s, you have the supermodel era, tall, thin, athletic. The 90s, you have heroin chic era, thin, kind of like an androgynous thing going on. The 2000s hit and you get the breast plant era. That's huge tits and tiny everything else. The 2010s is unfortunately the Kim K era, big butts, tiny waists. So all of that to say that the standard of beauty has changed so radically in the last hundred years. Softer but strong, rounded bodies on women was the ideal until someone told us otherwise. Until someone, I don't know, in my personal opinion, had money to make off of telling us otherwise. So that was really extraordinarily eye-opening for me and very freeing. And this is going to sound crazy, but I start looking through galleries of Renaissance women and galleries of like mid-century royal or even as far back as Greek statues. And I see my body reflected back to me, especially after I've quit eating gluten and I've dropped a ton of inflammation 
and I feel more comfortable and I have better energy and I'm eating all like real foods and I'm not so stressed out about it, I start looking in the mirror going, I feel like we're just going to call it the industry. The industry wants me to believe that there is something that needs to be fixed about my body. Why is that? Could it be because there is money to be made? Because trust me, they have made their money off of me thus far. So like, think about the more predatory weight loss. And I'm not saying it's all of it. I do think there are people with really good intentions who want to equip and teach people to take care of themselves. But I mean, the late 1800s, we have the first diet pills introduced, which is kind of crazy if you think about it, that the late 1800s, the end of the Industrial Revolution, we have things like diet pills coming out. The first published diet came out in 1863. Diet pills have been around since a little bit before then, always with terrible side effects. And people are just like, it's fine. It'll make me skinny. I'll take them anyway. Self-included. If skinny becomes the standard of beauty, let's say around, like truly around 1920s, it's cemented. I don't think that it is a coincidence that the first weight loss surgery is introduced by the 1950s. So There is money to be made off of women believing that their bodies are broken and are not beautiful because of the standard that has been set in front of us. I was just talking to a girlfriend the other day. She was kind of venting about how fit and beautiful this person on Instagram was. And I mean this with no shade. But what I told her was, yeah, because it's her full-time job to be hot. She pays people to make sure she stays hot. From the nanny, the cook, personal trainer, the dermatologist, the, I don't know, probably some plastic surgeons in there. None of that is judgment-based. It's a fact. So many of the people that we have allowed to set the beauty standard, they don't actually keep the standard themselves. They have other people that help them keep it or keep it for them. So I personally have decided to unhitch my wagon from that train. If I am not listening to the government, if I am not interested in what the CDC has to say about my health, why am I letting some made-up beauty industry standard in the sky make me feel negatively about a body that a little over 100 years ago would have been considered a dime piece? I mean, I I do kind of think I'm a dime piece now in 2023. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm a 10 out of 10. I only think that because my husband thinks that. But That mindset is also completely new because, like I said, I unhitched myself from what other people were trying to tell me. And now I feel steady enough on my feet to turn around and go, hey, guys, we've gotten it wrong. We've gotten it messed up. And that's not to say that there aren't also body types out there that are naturally thin and dainty. One of my best friends in the world, she and I were pregnant at the same time. And there's a picture. We are a month apart. I'm actually in the hospital giving birth. I look like I'm having an allergic reaction to the baby that is growing inside of me. You can't even tell she's pregnant. That's not fair. You can tell she's pregnant, but barely. I mean, she was so tiny because she's a full five inches taller than me and has the longest torso ever. So the baby had a whole bunch of room to go. I am barely 5'2", and my rib cage and my hip bones almost touch. I like take a positive pregnancy test and instantly have a belly. 
We were not created to be the same and the same thing goes for our bodies. And if we would just let like good for her, not for me should be our mantra when it comes to this stuff. Now, that does not mean that we stop our pursuit of health. That does not mean that we let off the gas, that we don't have any goals, that we don't take care of ourselves. I am still very much enjoying being gluten-free and it's only been like a little over a month there's a chance that I'll lose more weight than I have. And that's a great byproduct of feeling better. I don't want to eat gluten right now. I'm not even tempted by gluten right now because I'm, it helps my broken brain right now. And this is what's working for me in that season and that can and very well may change. But for right now, this is working for me. If I lose weight, great. If I lose inflammation, great. The priority for me is that I feel good so that I can show up for the people in my life and for the good works that God has put in front of me and embracing the body that he's given me instead of spending the rest of my life hating it and fighting against it and punishing it for existing. So I really encourage you, go look up some photos of like early 1800s Renaissance women. You're going to find some naked ones. It's okay. It's just a painting. Look at these women's bodies. And if you are like me, if you're in a similar boat, if you're not, it's fine. Hopefully there was something for you here. Look at those bodies and realize that they were considered beautiful enough to be immortalized forever in art. That should mean something. And that pretty much every documentation we have of a woman looks like that until like a hundred years ago, which in the grand scheme of things is not that long. You are beautiful. You look like you're a mid-century royal. You will survive winter. You are a great goddess. You are the picture of wellness and being well-fed. And I love you. You look great. 